0: Hello. Nice. Yeah. I mean, for those who are on Spotify, they don't know this, but we are doing our first episode where we record with video. So if you check out our YouTube, you'll see our lovely faces.
1: Welcome everybody to what is now, I think the 14th episode of the morality of everyday things. So a lot of morality we've
0: sent you away. There's a lot of everyday things, Jacob. This week we're going to be discussing the morality of keeping pets. I'm, I'm going to give a little disclaimer. I stepped up. I did my duty. I got my vaccine yesterday. So I'm feeling a little crummy today. I was convinced, like, oh, I'm a big tough guy. I'm gonna be fine, like whatever, it's not gonna not gonna hurt me. But yeah, it really like I was feverish last night. Don't worry by the way, it doesn't it doesn't make you um it doesn't make you contagious or anything like that. Yeah, it was worse than I expected. Like and i haven't the thing is it's been so long since i've been ill yeah well it's just your microchip so sort i of settling into <laughs>
1: bill gates <laughs> obviously a joke sweet okay and this question then one thing before we uh before we dive right in Thank you to everyone who's subscribed and listened to the show so far do please drop us a review on apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts
0: yeah it, it you know costs nothing but it's it honestly is a huge help to us if you enjoy this even a little bit head over there leave us a quick review if you want to get more
1: information, then follow us on social media or use Substack. Cool. Nice. Right on to the question. This is interesting because, as you'll have noticed if you're a regular listening to the show, Ant and I tend to find that we largely agree on the issues that we discuss. Largely. This week, I think we found one that, to begin with, we took pretty different stances on. So I remember when Ant posed this question to me one day at lunch, and I was like, nah, it's a stupid question, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it is
0: interesting how, when people think about this, You know, we're so accustomed to having pets that for, you know, a lot of the time we just kind of think it's stupid to even consider. Is it wrong to own a dog? Of course not. Well, that's that's your first thought. But then you think about it a bit more deeply. Exactly.
1: And actually, to, to dive right in, I mean, this question sits in the middle of a bigger question of whether animals have rights in general or should have those rights. Humans and animals have coexisted for millennia not always peacefully human race is responsible for killing off a lot of the most interesting animals that ever existed hey man animals had it coming
0: they killed some humans too i'm watching you i'm watching you <laughs> funny because when I, when I zoom into the camera here yeah it's not quite it's there uh, anyway i think the interesting thing is like you said um it's discussing the rights that animals and humans have the distinctions are, or whether there are distinctions this kind of links a lot to the vegetarian vegan argument we're discussing where do you kind of think of of the rights of living beings as a scale where humans or animals are in different parts of the scale? Do you think of it as distinct categories, et cetera? And how do you use that distinction to justify the ownership of pets without justifying some sort of weird relationships between people because in effect it can become quite hard to simultaneously hold at least the most staunch vegan vegetarian perspectives being that you know animals have equal rights to humans but then also believe in you know ironically a lot of those sorts of people are very fond of pets but it's hard to hold that view whilst you know simultaneously saying they have equal rights to humans and then also saying that you shouldn't be able to do the same things to humans which looks a lot like Having slaves.
1: Slavery is a strong accusation, but we will come back to that. Yeah. Um, last Basically, thing, I just, Jake
0: is a slave driver.
1: And the last thing I was just going to say was, in the history of humans and animals coexisting, animals have been used for labour, for sport, for things like lab testing. There's there's a lot of different issues to get into, uh, but we're going to set those aside. And for this episode, we are just going to focus on the issue of keeping animals as pets.
0: I guess sometimes the line might get blurred. Like a farmer might describe a certain animal as a pet. You know, they're not going to call their horse a pet, but they may well call their dog a pet, but the dog actually does some useful stuff.
1: Or there's guide dogs for the blind, right? Where they sort of sit in this middle ground of like pets and helpers. I don't even
0: know if that's in the middle ground. They're just not pets. They're they're a utility.
1: Mm, But Um, I imagine people still have like that same sort of affectionate relationship relationship that you tend to characterize pet ownership as having.
0: True. I guess one other one. Oh, it was here a second ago. Sorry, guys. Vaccine mind right now. The microchip. Speaking to me, the other one that I was going to say was a lot of people have pet dogs for safety, right? Like, Um, yeah, like, well, the thing is, there's a difference between having a guard dog and having a pet dog and being conscious of part of the reason you have that pet is because it might confer some safety, you know? So like someone who's at home alone a lot might like to have a dog because it makes them feel safe. And knowing that the dog would say, for example, alarm them if someone's coming to the house Mm is a legitimate use, but it's still a pet, right? They're not a guard dog. Like you wouldn't replace the dog with a security alarm. Yeah, but it's more useful than a hamster. (laughs) speak for yourself mate my brother my brother had an excellent hamster quick (laughs) hamster side note Tino, if you're listening to this, this is your fault, man. My brother left me to take care of his hamster one weekend. Oh, no, where is
1: um, this going? That sounds horribly tragic. Yeah, yeah it, it's, quite, <laughs>
0: it's quite tragic. It's, it's funny. He didn't think to tell me that the cage kind of gets quite stuck. Sorry, it's a bit broken, so like it clicks, but you have to really like get it to shut by like clicking it hard. So I go up, I feed the hamster one day, click it once. Don't like force it shut. It's his fault. He should have told me that. Should have told me that, Tino. <laughs> should have told me that, Tino. So I come back like a day or two later. And I'm like, hmm, he must be like hiding in his little hut or something. He was not hiding in his hut, oh, he, no. he disappeared. Oh, no. He had made the great hamster escape. And um, what was his name, the hamster? Tono, Tono. Tino. Tono, Tino, and Tono. Yeah, my brother's name is Tino for those who yeah. don't know, or Constantine Tino for short. Tono means like tuna in, idi- in Italian, I think it's also slang for like an idiot. Okay, you tuna. <laughs> yeah, anyway, this thing like <laughs> crawled out and got also my brother's uh, fridge had short circuited so you know two two and two i texted him like i was like really sorry mate it was like little hamster emoji lightning emoji skull emoji <laughs> <laughs> what a um, way to break the news yeah, i know i know actually you know what he was hiding in some recess somewhere i was convinced he was dead but my brother was like if he's alive there's one way to get him to come out so he just grabbed a little pet of of seeds and like shook it by where we thought like the little recess the little hole in the wall we thought he was hiding in and, and suddenly there's a little like and he sticks his little head out and he just grabs him <laughs> and like we stuck him back in the cage and he'd like you know he drinks water so quickly and all of his little um whiskers were all like fried from chewing, <laughs> chewing on the wires and the also sorry guys to clarify this is not neglect this is a genuine accident um you know this is it, it was a very yeah. Well, um, <laughs> thank, you, thank Sorry, you for that introductory anecdote. Uh, yeah.
1: And now onto the question of why do people keep pets at all?
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, so do you want to do you want to give any kind of more specific definition to the term pet as opposed to the other types of animals? Is it just an animal that you own? for entertainment purposes.
1: I don't know if I'd even go as far as entertainment. In answering the question, why do people keep pets? I think we get that definition, right? So from research that they conducted, they, the internet, <laughs> I'd sourced say. somewhere. But primarily, they sur- like whoever they are, They there was a survey done of a lot of American households and UK households. They did a survey of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can I be any less specific? So most people in answer to the question, why do you keep pets? Answer for companionship, or for happiness or there's there is a small subset of people who as uh, we discussed in the case of guide dogs and such you have some kind of or, or guard dogs there's there's help and, and utility conferred but primarily it's companionship and, and and happiness and i think um some fun stats for you listeners 85 million U.S. households keep pets, which is actually 67% of households. I was about
0: there. to say, like, it's if hard. there's only 300 and something million people, average yeah. household is going to be several people.
1: That's that's a lot. That's a lot of people. It's more than the U.K., where we keep 40, where 41% of households keep pets. Uh, and in both cases, it's mainly cats and dogs. So, like, the vast majority of people are keeping one of two. You them. say that. If Tiger King taught me anything, there's, <laughs> there's, a lot, there's a lot
0: of exotic pets in the U.S. Yeah, there's so okay, some cool. of those, too so now let, let, let's like kind of quickly go through the reasons why just you know off the top of the head why might it be wrong to keep pets according to what we wrote earlier there are a couple and one relates to idiots who for example don't close the hamster cage properly <laughs> 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 you know firstly this is i don't think the contentious part and maybe not the kind of meat of the moral issue that we want to discuss it's pretty much like not really much to debate that people shouldn't keep pets if they can't meet their physiological or, or emotional needs, you know, if it's going to be an unfit space, if they're not going to be able to be taken care of, etc. And actually, you know, also certain breeds, right? So Tiger King is actually a good example That's of this, example. Right? It's, it's just not appropriate to try and domesticate those kind of animals. They don't really survive in domestication. They're not happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, this, that kind of reminds me, it jogs my mind. I'm sorry if the person listens to this and recognizes themselves in this anecdote. Part of the reason I asked this question is because I met a friend of a friend who owned a large golden retriever and they lived in a flat in central London. And like I saw it and I was like, this dog is super cute. Oh, that's great. And I, but I was also immediately like, that's pretty like crappy for that dog generally
1: they're the kind of breed that would need a lot of space to yeah. run around right
0: yeah yeah like and, and it might be very gratifying for you maybe that's a dog you really wanted but it, it, sorry for that person but it, it did strike me as oh, maybe that's not meeting the animal's needs maybe it's a little selfish prioritizing your enjoyment uh, over over that and also i mean people for example you know there's tons of dogs in existence but people putting pressure on breeders to breed specific dogs because they're the ones that they like the look of and things. Thinking of pugs? But yeah, I mean, specifically, yeah, bred, dogs that are bred to also be really unhealthy. Golden Retrievers, huge cancer rates. This was kind of part of what made me bring this question to you. For those who didn't get it, Jake's a big dog fan. You know what? I was a big dog fan like two years ago. I've seen a few people get dogs recently, and dogs are like shitty kids.
1: Dog, <laughs> like, see,
0: dogs are like all of the bads of having children, and then they never grow up. Like, instead of like reaching teenagehood and then becoming an adult, they reach teenagehood and die.
1: Oh, but I think some people might even argue that dependency, for want of a much nicer word, is <laughs> part of the appeal of
0: pets. You get to care for Well, them. that sounds like people who have psychological needs that they're trying to fill. Yeah, Selfishly,
1: as we'll discuss. But you raise a really interesting point. And I, I took this question to my parents um, a week ago when, after we discussed it. And I said, you know, what do you think? And their initial response was, it's wrong in the case of people who aren't able to meet an animal's needs. So COVID, I think, gave rise to a lot of people um getting pets in people who probably wouldn't have done otherwise but they were like i'm gonna be stuck in, in at home a lot i need I, you know the companionship. should be great but if you're living in a city like in the case of your your friend or friend of a friend or in the case of different particular types of animals i think i think it's actually it's very clear-cut to say if you're not in a position to meet an animal's biological or psychological or physiological needs whatever then yeah it probably Hello. is wrong to keep an animal in in those circumstances difficulty is Different people will argue that those are different,
0: right? So some people. Is like, that it's
1: subjective as to what an animal needs, or it can be,
0: mm. right? I mean, and and also certainly aside morals aside, there's certainly no laws where we test it, mm. um, within reason. There might be things where it's like maybe it's like gun ownership where they check like what license or something. Yep. Um, but then then another thing, and this is kind of the more fundamental one, as we kind of mentioned in the intro. Okay, what if you actually believe that animals are autonomous beings? What if you? How are you going to categorize their rights? and yet permit their existence, essentially purely for, for your enjoyment. And the fact that like, legally, and in all practical terms, they are your property. Yes, um,
1: that's the key word there. Isn't yeah, it?
0: in fact, you know, it's worth noting that like, often when it's inconvenient, we, we put animals down, right?
1: Okay, inconvenience is one circumstance. It can be actually out of a case of like,
0: yeah. benevolence and- But the, you know, but the point yeah. is that we treat them distinctly from human beings. So my issue is, it seems like, how how do we square people who love animals so much, and yet actually are essentially keeping, you know, keeping them, Mm -hmm. I don't want to say trapped, but basically breeding them into this kind of, (laughs) I can't think of another word, trapped situation for their enjoyment. I just find it hard to square. I find and I find it hard to define their set, like an acceptable way of defining their rights that permits breeding weird breeds that look cute, neutering and spaying and castrating them you know, all of the kind of negative things that, that come with creating animals purely for your enjoyment and how that is acceptable if, you know, typical vegan vegetarian arguments against livestock grazing is unacceptable, right? I mean, if anything, enjoyment is more frivolous than, than food and, and uh, nutrition, right?
1: Well, we've certainly seen that in the case of COVID laws, right? It's yeah. tended to be that, you know, we have rules around things that we deem essential and yeah. generally enjoyment seems to be
0: well yeah people generally are like there's time to enjoy life later for now let's focus on surviving which i yeah is a thing in itself but i think that's kind of a a, we kind of pointed at the question right
1: to to give a sort of analogy that's also related to animals it's why we outlaw things like fox hunting right because it's something where it's like this is purely for your own enjoyment in that case an animal is very clearly suffering but it's very easy to make a moral case as to why that's Mm -hmm. non-essential and and why that's a bad thing
0: yeah, I suppose in that instance, the the problem is that the the thing is suffering.
1: Exactly, I think that makes it clearer cut. Yeah. But enjoyment seems like too frivolous a reason. Whereas yeah. an animal suffering for people consuming and eating them,
0: yeah, different guess. Yeah. And I, I suppose the, the argument that most pet owners will make in immediate retort to this is, my pet loves me, mm-hmm. right? I'm, I'm I'm good to my pet, and my pet enjoys the situation. And again, I, I suppose the difficulty is twofold. One just focusing on animals, I think that a lot of livestock farmers would argue outside of battery conditions. You know that there are certainly going to be livestock farmers who say I have happy animals, and they'll make arguments like, "Yes, I might kill them for nutrition, but like they have a good life up till that point, and the death is like instant, unexpected." You know, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. That's perhaps a weaker one. But then the main one is, like I said earlier. You need to provide a moral framework to explain how animals should be treated that doesn't permit this with humans, right? Mm-hmm. Because the, you know, by analogy. If I treated a human in this way, they're enjoying it or, or you know, being happy with it would absolutely not make it okay. Like if I if I were a slave owner, but I treated my slaves very well, uh, I think most of us would agree that that doesn't justify being a slave owner. Again, I'm using a, a bit of an extreme and pejorative term to make the point that you know, if you're tr- if you're trying to make the argument like fox hunting, like these things have rights and we need to respect those rights as living beings, they're you know, being happy with it doesn't change the fact that you are basically owning or, or not respecting their rights fully.
1: Okay, so just to summarize where we've got to so far, there are two reasons we think why it might be wrong to keep animals as pets. Mm. The first is kind of a practical one. If you're not in a position to keep them under decent circumstances, meet their needs, then I'd say that's a fairly unambiguous case that even animal lovers would get behind as it would be wrong. Most pet owners, I think, would agree. You mention it may be subjective as to what we deem appropriate, but by and large, that's clear. The second one is more philosophical and I guess where we're going to focus more of our effort, which is that if you believe animals should have rights as autonomous beings, then to treat them as property in the way that we currently structure pet ownership is wrong and to get really emotive, you called it a form of slavery. Hmm. Right. <laughs> Obviously we should live, you know, in a partnership. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Some animals are equal, but some animals are more equal than others. Oh, yeah. I, I botched that quote, but whatever. Animal
0: farm. That was George. Yeah, we, we got it, mate. Well done.
1: Let's expand on this. I, before we get into this, I want to make two assumptions okay. um, Just to, just to clarify this. So assumption number one, I think to avoid prejudice, let's assume benevolence on the part of pet owners kind of anything else I think would be to fall into that first argument of like, if we assume pet owners aren't kind and and doing this out of love and and a genuine sort of intent of companionship, I think then we stray into that, like, you know, well, it's wrong for that reason. So I, I think that's a fair assumption to make, right? I'm going to, I'm going to permit that assumption. Thank you. But I do want
0: to point out that from a utilitarian perspective, um, actually the fact that that is not 100% the case could be a strong reason. It does matter. You could make the argument that suffering of an unnecessary suffering of animals is unacceptable. Some number of pet owners are not benevolent. And so allowing pet ownership like effectively guarantees that some number of animals will suffer because of terrible pet ownership. And,
1: and just to put some numbers on that, I think it's as many as six and a half million animals in the US end up in rescue shelters, which yes. is, is that in the US or is that in the UK? Bear with me. I'll just double check that.
0: <laughs> That's like one tenth of the UK's population. So that must be the US. It
1: is in the US. And that the reason I kind of wanted to assume away that is I think, again, animals ending up in rescue shelters because they've been badly treated. Again, I think even animal lovers would get behind as wrong. So yeah. we're, I, I'm kind of more- oh, I too- what you mean. I, I wanted to make that little practical point that you, fair, could, yeah.
0: you could make a utilitarian argument that even if you treat pets well, you should accept that it shouldn't be allowed to stop other people to guarantee that they can't do it. Sure. But it, in order to address the moral issue that I think we're more interested in, I will permit this assumption. Yeah, we
1: want to focus on the case of a loving family where People feel the pet is basically part of the family, which is something. Yeah, I can identify with, and possibly Tino and Tono. <laughs> to how strong that bond was. But oh man, that was.
0: <laughs> I remember the day that they buried Tono. Oh. It was rather unceremonial. He <laughs> was just stuck in a little uh, hedge somewhere
1: oh, no. what in was a little it
0: shoebox. What, what
1: was it that finally did him in?
0: He's a hamster. They just don't live that long. Like I, I think he just at some point. Was He was very old for a hamster. He survived the, the whisker uh, <laughs> incident. Lived, lived quite a lot longer than that. But, you know, at some point, he just, just didn't wake up one morning. Mm-hmm. And Tino sat on him. <laughs> 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 but no, 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 no. no. It was, it was, um, he just died of natural causes at some point. Assumption two? Assumption there two, two. There's
1: two assumptions. And this is a counterpoint that I raised, but I think I wanted to kind of assume this away because it's a bit, not trivial, but I think it, it misses the point. So... What you might think immediately is, well, if you want to outlaw pet ownership, if you think it's wrong, then what would happen to the existing set of animals? Um, yeah, it's a fairly is. natural thing to think about, but I think we want to assume a way that, if that were the case, obviously we have a moral imperative to treat the last sort of animals that exist yeah. as pets as kindly as, as possible. to stop but breeding. But to stop breeding them. Yeah. So basically, before you worry about, like, if we're saying this, we should mass cull, like, yeah. all the pets in the world. No, I don't think that's a, a realistic sort of outcome. I think the practical thing to do is to care for the existing set of animals
0: yeah i think and again we keep coming to this analogy which you seem to dislike but the analogy would be someone saying we can't ban slavery because what are we going to do with all of these slaves right yeah. like which which obviously is a ridiculous argument like mm-hmm. they like step one stop making them step two support the ones that currently exist And i suppose the difficulty with animals versus slaves is that you know slaves you can you should support and nurture into free people like as in giving them support to access property and things like that which actually the u.s did a terrible job of and is part of the reason there's still big systemic inequality but you know in the case of animals like a lot of these animals are now literally bred, right. for bred, bred to, yeah, bred to the point where they like there is no freeing them right
1: mm, which is a challenge and so if that were the case and it kind of becomes a policy question around whether you should continue to breed them or just kind of kindly phase that out so yeah just again like if if we if you were to fall down on the side of okay we shouldn't keep animals as pets that's not to say that existing pets should be turned out or or or, what was what was that thing where like uh, I don't
0: want to spread misinformation, but wasn't there like some stat around like animal charities who put down a ridiculous number of animals because they can't hum them? Yeah, I uh, don't have a number for it, but yeah. I imagine it happens. I, d- I
1: don't know that it, it, I'm just mentioning it because it popped to mind that like it's not as relevant. So let's, uh, let's dive right into the question. And I, I guess the obvious place to start is what rights do animals have and what rights should they have? Mm-hmm. i suppose the first answer is fairly easy
0: <laughs> i suppose there's there's a couple things to consider right like first of all the rights that animals specifically should have as living beings but then maybe we can also explain a little bit about about freedom assuming that freedom is something that a a living being should have and we can talk about we can just touch on some of the forms of freedom that things should have right so i think we'll, we'll start the other way around actually talk about those forms of freedom i think the most famous philosopher in this regard is probably Isaiah Berlin mm-hmm. and he talks about positive and negative freedoms right positive and negative freedoms yeah so i think that the easiest way to think of negative freedoms is freedom from uh, and it tends to be freedom from you know typically physical impediments you know practical impediments like being chained up is a negative freedom issue uh, being in prison is a negative freedom issue you know being locked in the house as a dog is a negative freedom issue positive freedom would be more like uh, freedom to do the do what you would do in the best circumstance for yourself the the positive freedom is much more ambiguous right Mm -hmm. i think the point there is that like if i'm free to take heroin and i take heroin every day we want to try and articulate the point that like okay you're not quite free like the thing that is is stopping you might not be in the physical world but there's something stopping you from from doing what you may want to what may be in your best interest right Mm
1: -hmm fully self-actualizing.
0: Yeah, <laughs> some sort of wanky term like that, right? <laughs> um, Thanks,
1: mate. Yeah. So what I'm saying
0: is, Jake, like, all those dogs, they just want to self-actualize, man.
1: <laughs> Top of the Maslow hierarchy yeah. of needs. exactly. Food. <laughs> okay. Kibble. Dog bed. <laughs> Express myself as a philosopher king.
0: <laughs> you know, actually, you make that joke. I've been reading a little, like a short story recently. Uh, it's called Investigations of a Dog. Mm-hmm. It's a Kafka short novel about a dog who's a philosopher
1: <laughs> what's his name plato pluto <laughs> <laughs> that would
0: have been good i actually can't remember his name i don't think he says his name he just says the whole thing from his first person perspective uh, and it's just like how he oh i, I notice i'm different from the other dogs and uh, it, it's all it's it's just quite funny but sorry so back on that we talked a bit about negative and positive freedom so there's an issue of of negative freedom in that you know they're literally constrained by what you're telling them to do and then beyond that okay you can treat your dog very freely but I suppose the, the question of positive freedom is, can they properly self-actualize, for lack of a better word, in in the way that is actually perhaps best in their own interest or in their own nature within the confines of a domesticated setting at all? Like even if you did everything to give them all the space and, and there was no, you know, you weren't one of those people who like sets the schedules for them and stuff.
1: Are we assuming that wild animals are able to achieve this? We're assuming like they're not being poached and stuff like that. Right?
0: I don't know. Maybe we're kind of just, Taking this a little too far, I <laughs> yeah, Let's
1: understand us Wait, let's take a step back
0: first. So we've articulated negative and positive freedom. To be honest, I just thought it was a nice place to kind of mm-hmm. discuss it a bit. Let's discuss the rights that animals have as living beings and then see whether negative and positive freedom applies. Sure. So where do you think, we discussed this in the vegetarian vegan argument, how do you think that the rights that animals have as living beings relate to the ones that humans have? Yeah,
1: this was tricky. In that episode, we came up with a few different like models for, for how we can conceptualize it because The one model simply goes, we're all living beings. We should all be subject to the same rights. And therefore to kill and eat animals is tantamount to killing and eating humans. Murder is wrong. Therefore killing animals is murder. And therefore that's wrong. I I think that's maybe a little bit simplistic, although it's very hard to really pin down why. We talked about capacity for suffering as being something that delineates it. So then if you were to consider animals being on a spectrum for how much they can suffer, you've got humans at the one end who can suffer deep psychological angst, they can can suffer like different levels because of our supposedly higher levels of consciousness supposedly you don't know what a dog's thinking we don't know what a dog's thinking I I didn't realize a dog wrote a play (laughs) (laughs) so yeah so there's uh, I think on the base of suffering is I know that's how Peter Singer um, Mm -hmm. sort of talked does Peter Peter Singer characterize them as essentially equal I remember I saw him talk once and he said okay practical situation I'm starving if I had to eat something like an oyster I probably would I wouldn't Like you know, some seafood that sort of probably experiences much lower level of consciousness would, at a push, be acceptable. Obviously, he's an animal rights activist and a a strong utilitarian. Top hit from singer article by him saying all animals are equal
0: i mean what does this say I, I know that people have discussed for example should animals have the vote which sounds ridiculous but it's kind of <laughs> a, you know follow on from that that's actually a, a good example of like okay is it actually just you know ignoring reality it to say that, like that, that we're
1: there are differences right
0: okay so so options are all the same seems to be what peter singer says some sort of spectrum you base that on suffering or some form of sentience
1: another might be that they're distinct categories that was the other one that we talked about uh, yeah. and i suppose we were making categorizations again on the basis of like suffering sentence intelligence um what else did we talk about uh well we basically uh, that i think was trying to answer the question of why do we keep some animals as pets and why do we keep some animals as like farm for for, for breeding like why do we eat some animals and not others and perhaps that's actually just a cultural thing because you look around different mm. cultures of the world that do practice different things in regard to different animals. Taking it back to the
0: freedom point. Mm-hmm. So I think to take, to take it to the extreme, the concepts of positive and negative freedom, do they even apply to, say, for example, a bug? I mean, I can see that, like, okay, you put a bug in a small case. Clearly, that's a negative freedom thing. But is there is there a positive freedom case for bugs? I suppose you could say something along the lines of, like, fulfillment of normal life. In, in the sense of like okay, we castrate animals, we we spay uh, like our, our dogs and cats and stuff, and that's certainly taking away some part that's pretty fundamental to what it is to to live a, a normal natural life
1: meeting their natural instincts yeah and, yeah. Hmm. yeah, I mean, you could possibly just make the case that it's about giving them the fullest ability to express their
0: Meow. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> 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 I was thinking of the case of um uh, conservation in Africa and, and elephants in particular, like they roam over vast areas. And over the course of time, we've had to introduce like boundaries. So, uh, you know, so that they don't get into trouble, wander into poaching zones or, or like roads, roads, towns, cities. And people talk about, you know, does that actually take away an elephant's fundamental freedom to roam? What it, it is to be an elephant. Yeah, what it is to be an elephant exactly in, in terms of walking mm. vast distances in their, in their herds. Mm.
0: So maybe it is relevant to how we distinguish the animals. My intuition is that there is some sort of scale, because when I think about positive freedom for say, for example, an insect, okay, I can see that in like part of what it is to be the insect is, for example, the ability to reproduce and to follow that instinct. So to, for example, put them in a lab and take away that ability because you're using them for whatever test, you know, something is wrong there beyond just the negative freedom element. But it does feel like on a scale, it's, and I'm saying scale, that doesn't mean i necessarily agree with spectrum, you, you simply can't restrict them as much like this there's not as much to take away from them as there is an elephant, right? What it is to be an elephant is a much richer thing than what it is to be a bug. Wow, deep. Um, okay, so wait, let's...
1: I think I think the fundamental question when it comes to pets is more around that negative right, right? It's it's about, like, pet ownership legally is classed as a form of property. Mm-hmm. That's clearly, you know, do do animals have the negative right not to be property? If we were to say animals have that negative right, then I suppose that outlaws not just pet ownership, but every other treatment of animals that we have, like labor uh and 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 lab testing and stuff like that and that practically what's the alternative release them all into the (laughs) wild what even is the
0: wild nowadays like (laughs) how do you take like a pigeon and release it into the wild
1: yeah i
0: know i remember i was at the zoo in um there's like a little mini zoo in golders green park Mm-hmm. Goldish Hill Park, uh, and you're walking past. You know, there's some pretty cool stuff there. there
1: the pigeons in the zoo. <laughs> wait,
0: wait for it. There's like wallabies. There's like King Julian one. Uh, the lemurs. They ring tail lemurs. The the lemurs. Like, like, the, yeah, I like to. They're, they're great animals there. It's it, You know, for a little free zoo, it's awesome. And then one of them is a bloody pigeon. <laughs> it's, it's an African <laughs> pigeon, and I'm like, wait, I see these. Every, like, he's slightly different, but it's a pigeon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Need to think. Okay, I, I get what you're saying there. Are we leaning towards categories or spectrum? Because I, I feel like, you know, I feel like it's too extreme to say, like, all living things have equal rights. It's patently ridiculous, right? It's a really
1: tough one. I actually don't know. I, I can't remember yeah. where we came to in the vegan argument. I feel right. like we talked about categories more enthusiastically yeah. than
0: yeah i think categories is is the only way you can consistently be quite so against um retention of animals for livestock purposes mm-hmm. but still own pets mm-hmm. that being consistent doesn't mean it's right i actually think that the lines we draw between pets and livestock can be so arbitrary and weird sometimes
1: well he talks about pigs didn't we that's yeah, a particular case of exactly. a very intelligent animal that yeah. unfortunately because it meets a number of things that... tastes good <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> it takes a number of farming boxes and
0: isn't cute enough yeah no i i feel you i i would say i would say i lean towards spectrum but i feel this okay i'm articulating it now i'm getting it i would articulate it as spectrum but i feel like a lot of people naturally view it as a category Mm -hmm. where they where they separate pets and and livestock my spectrum argument is part of the reason why i feel uncomfortable i don't understand why we're happy to argue that we should be respecting these animals and not, you know, trapping them, et cetera, et cetera, for our own benefit. But then because the benefit is your enjoyment and the pet isn't necessarily actively suffering that, that suddenly like collapses the argument. So that's, that's my overarching feeling. That's why I'm kind of like, mm, I don't get why we have pets. It seems a bit unfair
1: on the animals. Okay. Now, earlier you made a pretty strong charge. Um, you're a slave owner <laughs> <laughs> that pet ownership is a kind of slavery i think obviously slavery has all sorts of connotations around abuse and not um, necessarily it doesn't have to but it it, it does right it right. has it has connotations it's not explicit it, i agree it doesn't have to be true definitionally there were kind slave owners i'm sure but uh obviously that it Jefferson was a slave owner Yep. Yeah. Uh, and people quote him all the time. <laughs> yeah, I think he was supposed to be nice. Doesn't he have like illegitimate love children?
0: I don't know. There was I swear there's like a, a Key and peel sketch where like it's lots of African-Americans and it's going through like people and like all the white people are like, I'm related to blah, blah, blah. It's like ancestry.com style <laughs> ads, right? And then every African-American person is like, I'm related to Je- Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's pretty cool. I haven't seen that one.
0: Uh, it's quite funny.
1: Um, so yeah, that doesn't have to be true definitionally, but it does quite emphatically make it, it, it drives home that point of like, is this wrong? And it, it sort of-
0: The benefit to the owner is the primary purpose. Yes. And yeah. when it's not beneficial to be benevolent, it may, they may no longer be. Which to be fair, can kind of happen with uh, pets. When a pet is annoying uh, or starts humping your leg, <laughs> you cut its balls off.
1: Yeah. yeah. Or humping other people's pets. Mm. Oh. But I'm benevolent to it all the, all the rest of the time. So it's kind. I remember that was, um... <laughs> It was one of the most challenging things with, uh, with owning dogs. I remember when we did get our male dogs castrated and I was, to be fair, I was... I was a teenage boy at the time, so I protested against this. I was like, "This is horribly wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine anything worse." Yeah. And uh, I is remember he? the dog coming home from the vet, and he looked at me with such betrayal. Where <laughs> like, are my balls, Jacob? <laughs> uh, so I sat with him, and I was like, "I'm so sorry." <laughs>
0: oh man, man! He looked at you. He's like, "I had a chance of getting laid, Jacob." <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was like, "You had both of our best chances."
0: <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's such a funny one as well. Like, we'll come to putting animals down, but like. Like one thing is, we're so comfortable with we we, we lean so much on norms rather mm. than thought, right? We do stuff like that. That that sounds terrible. We're like, I'm really kind to
1: my pets, like. Is it that kind to remove their ability to reproduce and cut their balls off? Well, it, the reason it happens is like it's- I know why it happens. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of, in some ways, conforming to societal norms and needs. It's for their it's for their own benefit in the sense that-
0: Oh, no, 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 no. Jake, I'm going to cut your balls off, and it's, I'm going to tell you it's for your own benefit. Hear me yeah, out. There's too many things, Jake. Climate change, <laughs> I'm going to
1: cut your balls off. Hear me out, it's because the hormones, etc., drive animals to behave in a way that potentially get them into the kind of trouble that. So, they get so them what them you're down. saying is,
0: what you're saying no, is but, when a dog behaves, right? This is but but what you're saying is when a dog behaves like a dog naturally should, and it doesn't benefit my enjoyment as an owner. I can it's be incredibly cruel to them no, to no, fix. No, no, it's out. not
1: about your enjoyment. It's about it's about the dog's own behavior and prospects, right? If, if... as a pet, not as a wild animal. Yeah, sure, um, but it makes them aggressive, if... yeah. which is negative by what measure? Well, the point the point is, it's not negative for the dog. <laughs> <laughs> the point is, if you cut their balls off and make them less aggressive then they're less likely to get themselves into the kind of trouble where you'd have to put them down. because. You can make the same dogs argument dogs. about slaves. I'm, I'm sure there were slaves that were castrated. <laughs> and I'm saying it's a terrible thing. I'm, I'm not saying being it's a good thing, but
0: I'm saying... Being aggressive is a natural part of being a dog. Yeah. In some instances.
1: And in the case of like um, female dogs and female animals, you do it because actually it's like, apparently it's medically beneficial. Like if you, if you spay them, they're less likely to get all sorts of other cancers and diseases, unless you're planning to breed from them.
0: So... Well, I think the primary purpose that we do it, aside from behavioral stuff, is just to stop them... Breeding, yeah, it, and, is, it is. Unless you to breed them.
1: All right, but okay. Since you're talking about slavery, what is the legal definition of slavery? I looked this up. Ownership of a person. A slave is a person owned by someone, and slavery is the state of being under the control of someone where a person is forced to work for another. So, work is actually a key word in there. A slave is considered as a property of another, as the one controlling oh, them okay. purchases them or owns them from their birth. In slavery, the slave does not have a right to leave the owner or not work for them. Slavery is a form of forced labor. They do not receive any remuneration for the work that they do. So work becomes a key component, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if, and this is the thing. If you receive board and lodging for your work, you aren't a slave. If you receive some kind of remuneration for your work, you're not a slave. You're We're choosing ever. to work. I, I feel like, I'm, I don't know that I like this definition. One, work is not, work is a typical but not necessary
0: component. I, legally, it is. Uh, no,
1: I don't if, if you just keep someone in your, like, house but don't make them work. They're just a hostage, right? They're not a slave. A slave has an element of labor. Interesting. Okay, maybe, maybe pets are hostages then. <laughs> <laughs> and then also
0: for pets or, or slaves as well, you said, oh, if you get someone board and lodging. No, because slave owners would give board and lodging. They still yeah. had slaves.
1: That's interesting because I, I realized, as I was saying that out loud, I was like, <laughs> that doesn't sound quite. I feel like that's talking more about a modern exchange. of Remuneration doesn't have to be financial. I think the difference between that is if you have the chance to leave, i think the
0: I think the fundamental thing is uh, around freedoms. I think the fundamental thing is, is that it's a definition of your relationship with someone as property, and then secondary, you don't as as a consequence of that, you do not have freedoms that you would normally accord a mm-hmm. you know free human being or animal yeah. right. So that, in that sense, when you think about it, it's that definition, which I've made up and no one else has ratified. It's, <laughs> it's pretty convincing. I, the reason I looked this up was to see how I could
1: get pet owners off the charge yeah, of being I, slaves. I, I noticed that. The exact sentence is, how to get pet owners <laughs> off slavery charges. <laughs> so number one is, if pets aren't considered to be working, is providing companionship work? Is that... Literally, really? yes. Really? Escorts. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime that you're doing something for someone else
0: for their benefit, whether you want to do it or not, that does feel like you're doing work, right? Sometimes you might enjoy your work, but that's still work. Cool. Next one.
1: (laughs) Pets are remunerated in the form of pet treats (laughs) pet food. (laughs) I mean, can can
0: animals even be remunerated outside of? Legally, they can't have bank accounts. Wait. So what happens when there's like a like a Hollywood pig or whatever? Their owner makes their owner the money. Their owner makes the money, right? <laughs> I don't know why we even didn't know that. What
1: <laughs> do you think about that? So <laughs> <We> think
0: about <laughs> what about all those stories where like someone dies and they leave everything to their cat?
1: How rich is Alexander the Meerkat right now? Hmm,
0: that's a super for non
1: UK users, won't know. But then I guess the the big challenge is animals can't consent really- to stay or leave. You could argue that they reveal consent in their decision not to run away, but I guess that depends on how you've set up your house. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, some animals, a lot of animals
0: do run away. Also, another interesting story, an African parrot once flew onto my brother's balcony. Those are expensive birds. He just he just flew up. He was like, ah, what up?
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm a hostage. <laughs> Depending on your definition, it's either a hostage or a slave.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, a fundamental point is around consent and freedom, right? Uh, freedom from not having your balls cut off, freedom to hump other animals with the same
1: hilt. I guess, I mean, when I, when I was deciding this, I sort of thought, I don't really see it as a form of work, necessarily. I guess you could make the case that animals are looked after and therefore remunerated. But the one that actually challenged me the most was, like, the deci- they can't really consent whether or not to leave unless you make a point of leaving the door open, but then as no. a pet owner, you have a duty of care whoa, whoa, to your dog, right? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Or your cat. Cats can run away. Yeah, I was about to say this. A lot, like, actually, the type of pet ownership I'm most comfortable
0: with, not just because I'm a low commitment, low work person, would be a cat. Because, or not, not just any cat, right? But cat, you, you can get cats where like, the cat kinda, like, doesn't even necessarily belong to anyone, he goes around some people and they get some food, so you get that that kind of that's actually like a consensual, mutual, beneficial arrangement. But the cat isn't owned by anyone necessarily, right? The cat could be a, a neighbourhood cat. That's an arrangement I'm comfortable.
1: With. Yeah, it does make it sound like cats are actually in a better position than dogs in <laughs> mm. <laughs> this example. Um, but in general, it does seem. No, that's too too strong a thing to say. I was going to say it seems that dog owners in general talk about like how dogs care more there's a stronger bond and and cats have this sort of like aloofness um mm. but no sorry people are going to call me out on that because people mm. have very strong feelings about both of these things
0: the keen amongst you may notice that jake has teleported so slightly <laughs> different if you're watching the video uh, ran out of battery I'm sorry i had to plug in my laptop so um
1: so jake the next thing you're going to tell us about we were just talking about how, how important it is to uh, for animals to consent whether or not to stay right and then this raises a slightly relevant but tangential question of conditioning and breeding and have animals been conditioned over years of breeding to sort of feel certain ways about this. Like we talk about having domesticated animals, right? And actually more particularly, we had a debate the other day about, there's a there's a dog that comes in called Ted. He's it's bloody cute. He's bloody cute. Um, and we were asking how well he'd survive in the wild. Would he survive better than we would? I thought he would. Well, I thought he would in Ted's own. It was like, absolutely not this guy. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair,
0: apparently he's a bougie dog. He eats like expensive meat. That might be him. No, it's not <laughs> in the But yeah. I still think this is unfair because again, flip this around, talk about humans, right? If you'd have taken a bunch of people who'd been on a plantation and told them free now, but get out and not given them any support and they were homeless. Yeah. Like a bunch of people would have really struggled,
1: potentially died depending on the circumstances. We're not talking about the specific, like, let's liberate them and see how they do. We're talking more about like animals have been conditioned. Does that mean that they can even make sort of free choices, right? Like it's, it's not even so much about the transition. It's about the fact they've been conditioned to love humans and.
0: So it's not that. It's not that ted has i get you so it's not that ted himself has you know spent too many years blah blah blah. is that ted the animal you know whatever breed or mix of breeds he is like even if you raised him in the wild wouldn't be fit for it because we domesticated him i guess again like the fact that we've grotesquely domesticated them so that they're kind of distorted doesn't feel like a good justification right like yeah maybe that's true so what
1: i yeah it doesn't necessarily have to be a justification does it It, but it's it's a Point of practical relevance. I have some fun facts about the history of animal domestication. Oh, go ahead. I mean, it's something that's been happening for at least ten thousand years. Obviously, it originated as a practice of you know we tame animals for meat, milk, uh, their hides, their skins, etc., etc. They reckon goats were probably the first animals to be domesticated, followed closely by sheep. By ancient Greeks or what? I'm not sure. Yeah, they talk about this happening in ancient Mesopotamia.
0: Yeah, Mesopotamia is actually between the Tigris and the other river. It's you know around where Iraq, Iran is. Around the sort of
1: cradle of civilization area. Babylon. Why haven't people domesticated every kind of animal? Interesting question. Uh, after all, a horse and a zebra are pretty similar, but you don't see many people riding around on zebras. Um, and there's a biologist called Jared Diamond, evolutionary biologist. He's talked about six criteria that animals need to meet in order to to be domesticated. They need to have flexible diets, reasonably fast growth rates, the ability to breed in captivity, a pleasant disposition, a temperament that makes it unlikely to panic, which sounds a little bit similar to four, uh, and a modifiable social hierarchy. So that's why animals like dogs are quite good because they're pack animals. So you bring them into your house and you're like, you're bottom of the pack, Mr. Dog. The dog's like, no, I'm not. I'm in charge of everything. Basically, they have a kind of sense of social hierarchy and that makes them easy to Oh, is his term is modifiable social hierarchy yeah yeah, yeah. so but you exist and modifiable. well but you compare that to like a tiger or a lion uh, maybe not a lion but tigers and leopards which are like you know that they're, they're fairly right. solitary creatures. They don't. Okay, have...
0: okay. So, so having no social hierarchy is definitely not having a modifiable one. Yeah, and some animals might have very strict social hierarchies, which might make them not suitable. But some animals, like mm-hmm. yeah, like are, are can kind of fit living with humans into the hierarchy. Fair enough. He
1: says, with these characteristics in mind, it makes sense that a relatively good-natured pig is domesticated, while a violent warthog is not. But just to segue into pet keeping, people haven't actually kept pets in the way that we know it for that long as in pure entertainment as an in in form we talked about with like companionship right like people reckon it's actually a Victorian invention it's probably only been happening for the last hundred years or so and even in Victorian times it was the preserve of the wealthy like
0: that's, that's funny to think about right like for the majority of human history we didn't have enough excess resources mm. to consider wasting them on animals who were, were, were like literally lap dogs often mm-hmm. like you know with, with the exception of like Chinese emperors and stuff like it didn't make sense to waste resources on an animal that wasn't going to be of use.
1: Yeah. Well, I always think it's interesting to look back on stuff like that, because I think particularly with pet ownership uh, and other things we talked about before, we're so used to the way things are now, but we don't realize in context that actually it's not been that way for very long. It's a, it's a relatively new phenomenon. You know, in present day societies, dogs have a number of functional roles and, and they talk about like dogs being actually status symbols, their are ornamental or helpers. Companionship is, I think, still the one that we, we sort of mainly talk about interesting it's it's a relatively novel phenomenon which i think is is yeah is a relevant thing to to bear in mind
0: something for you uh it might be jared diamond even uh his name is familiar or it might be the guy from homo sapiens that's you all oh, no yeah. Jared diamond was the guns germs and steel guy yeah yeah yeah. Uh, he wrote a couple other like i want to say like civil he wrote some book that was very famous it was collapse was the famous one that i heard about but i mean he has several famous ones he's a great great author i think it was homo sapiens though where he talks about why we brought diseases to america but america didn't have diseases to infect us with and part of what they mentioned was the exception of horses with uh, native american tribes although even then it wasn't as intensively as we did domesticate or breed them the main thing was that there weren't many domesticatable animals in for example south america and living in close proximity with animals is an excellent
1: way to transmit and spread diseases right
0: yeah covid can confirm (laughs) bats and pangolins in china exactly but um, but yeah, that that's one of the things that they suppose like they didn't have as many random mutations in viruses and stuff because they didn't live in close proximity with domesticated animals, mostly because they didn't have as many. I mean, the closest they had is a llama. Llamas fail in point four. Pleasant disposition. <laughs> really? Yeah. Well, they're very. Yeah. Are you thinking of the llamas with hats, where the mm-hmm. llama kills other llamas with that? No, I think they're just very. They're very spitty. In the case of lamas with hats, the YouTube video, they're very uh, stabby, um, and, and I, I think they don't. I don't know
1: that llamas have a strong sense of social hierarchy. So, moving on, uh, you've talked before about animals and and, and pet owners I mean, having a sort of slave-like relationship or, or hostage. Well, they're literally property. What if symbiosis was a better characterization? What if it's a case of mutual, mutually benefiting each other in in the sense of like <laughs> he's shaking his head at me already. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, the, in, in the sense that you know, humans get companionship. Animals get someone who cares for them and provides for their basic needs. What about, what if people have a symbiotic relationship where
0: you live on my farm and do all the work, I provide you with housing and food. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, You're my property.
1: Again, that kind of comes back to that decision whether or not you can leave, but that's where actually, I mean, cats again provide an interesting counterpoint. I know this is, actually, I was gonna say it's fiction. It's not fiction. It's a a biographical work, a street cat named Bob. Mm. That that name always makes me laugh. Yeah, awesome name. Um, and and that's a relationship that evolved because it was a literally a stray cat that uh, and, and the guy who wrote it um, was uh, he was a recovering drug addict at the time and actually having a cat in his life to, to care for gave him a greater sense of well-being and, and, and power uh, to make the changes that he needed to make in his life but there were times in the film where you know Bob the the cat, runs off and he, he misses him but they sort of they do coexist a little bit more you know fluidly independently, fluidly it, it's, i see that i see that. that but then he's yeah but that's the point then he's not a pet a pet
0: is a pet is almost by definition that kind of ownership structure which i think is just not symbiotic like the fact that you both benefit doesn't make it a symbiotic relationship right what because you can have that in the sense of like a slave owner being kind of slave right like, so the fact that like some amount of benefit exists on both sides doesn't make it symbiotic it's that like, what is the
1: definition? It's certain animals choose to closely coexist. I think it's just coexistence for mutual gain, right? You see symbiosis in the animal kingdom all the time. In the case of like, I'm thinking of for some reason whales and then those tiny little fish that clean them, and yeah. the whales like. Sort of- in those cases, in, in those cases, they choose to be together because because they both benefit sufficiently. The fact that some
0: benefit exists doesn't mean that both animals are are choosing to be there because of the benefit. So th- what I'm saying is. If you if you have a relationship with two things, the fact that I confer some small benefit on you doesn't then turn it into symbiosis, right? But you could say it's a fairly big benefit. You're providing them the means of survival. Again, same you just turn turn it into humans. And so like of course it's ridiculous to describe that as a symbiotic relationship.
1: Yeah, but animals would be much more vulnerable were you to let them go than slaves would be, right? And I think that's where that's where a charge of difference comes. It depends on the
0: animals and stuff, right? And and also like the argument that you've bred them to the point where they can't take care of themselves in the wild is kind of unfair in the sense that like well yeah but it's only because you bred them to the point where they can't survive in the wild like you could breed humans to that point you could people used to think that about slaves
1: right that accusation was made let's wait whose point them. is that support mine or yours yours exactly <laughs> <laughs> let's move on from slaves mm. let's try a different question why is parenthood different to having children you think about Do i really need to explain that you think about having kids um in a, in a state where they're vulnerable and you care for them and mm-hmm. them. they don't have total autonomy they definitely don't have freedom to run away from home yeah why is it different
0: i suppose a lot of people would argue that like children are kind of pseudo property but they're definitely not property right so for one you can't put down a child at your leisure um <laughs> you can't i think at your leisure is a bit harsh yeah well i mean you know what i mean like you can choose to put an animal down you don't need a very good reason to do so right like literally i've seen cases of people are moving far across the world and it just wasn't practical to move the animal with them. So they put it down. You can't do that with a child. So, so sometimes children might kind of look like property or behave practically like property, but clearly they're not property. And that's like the biggest distinction, I think. Uh, also, children become Rational adults at some point, right? You're nurturing them through child, child stage, but they're not going to permanently be in that state.
1: Okay, but what about the case of a kid that might have a severe life impacting impairment? You know, something which means they're never going to be fully functioning autonomous adults because they're going to need nurturing and support possibly forever. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I think there's one of there's one of two circumstances here, right? So
0: one, you are having a child and this happens, and you know you didn't like select that it. it randomly happened. And then you're kind of dealing with an unfortunate situation, um, whereas you're saying you would select a pet, right? Yeah, whereas you right. select a pet, um, But then on the other hand, you know, there might be a circumstance where someone chooses to take um, such a child on, you know, perhaps that's more of an act of sympathy or charity as opposed to a typical parent child relationship, right? I don't think I don't think most parents who are looking like, Oh, I want to adopt a child, you know, are are looking the, the person who takes on someone with severe developmental issues or something like that, Is very different to the typical parent taking on child, right? Mm -hmm. Um, It's hard to articulate because it depends a bit, but the reasons as to why they do that are surely quite different.
1: The analogy I'm trying to draw there is just that uh, we're we're talking about two similarly vulnerable beings, and if you're approaching them, again, not as treating them as property, you're you're trying to give them the best life possible, which Mm -hmm. I think, again, is something we assume most pet owners are trying to do, right? They're not out to treat animals as like, well, well, again, not everyone, but like in general, mm -hmm. um, then... And there's overlap there mm-hmm. and there's, there's similarities and
0: that's true no i i take the point I, it, there are some similarities and it can be hard to articulate i mentioned putting pets down mm. i guess one one argument could be that perhaps rather than us putting pets down is evidence that pets are different we're just too sanctimonious
1: about euthanasia amongst humans I think it's something we definitely want to get into in another episode. But I, mean, I I'd agree with that. I think actually, you, I mean, not in the circumstance I described, where like we're
0: going somewhere. It's inconvenient to <laughs> on holiday. Yeah. <laughs> we're moving to Australia. We can't yes. practically
1: take our dog. So, <laughs> can't take grandpa. So, <laughs> no, there's more to talk about there. But it, it's true. We could definitely. Uh, normally, people consider putting down animals as a humane way to give them like a kind end of life. And actually, certainly arguments to be made that we don't treat our own elderly relatives as humanely when they're they're sort of made to suffer unduly. I don't want to get into that too much, but I think it's something people can relate to. Fair. We need to wrap up because I'm very close to running out of battery.
0: (laughs) All right, let's do this, let's summarize. Okay, Jake, what's, you know, you started out like this is ridiculous
1: to even discuss. Now that we've gone through it, how, how do you feel? It's more gray area than I hoped. <laughs> so look, I mean, we, we gave two reasons at the beginning as to why pet ownership is wrong or could be wrong. The first reason I think is a clear yes from me. I think any case in which an animal is being treated unreasonably or you can't meet their needs, fine. I'd, I'd agree that's wrong. I don't think that's contentious. I mean, that's
0: just not that's just not abusing living things
1: yeah yeah talk about suffering that's that's fairly clear cut the second area about how should we recognize animals rights i sit somewhere in the middle it's it's tricky um Hmm. and again i mean we made some important assumptions if you're not a benevolent pet owner then i think again that falls into the first reason camp it's it's just bad if you're having an animal purely for like as an ornament because it's it sort of makes you look great and and you're not really taking care of it uh, taking care of it in the... uh, well,
0: it's kind of just straying into the... it
1: straight into the first reason and i and i think that's that's a fair assumption but in the case where where most sort of families with pets fall where they treat the pet almost as an extension of the family it doesn't feel like treating the pet as property you raise some excellent points around like okay you, you castrate you wouldn't castrate your kids you certainly like you know you wouldn't sort of keep them restricted to hey uh, you, you wouldn't take kids for walks on le- with leads right like no, no. <laughs> and it's, just, it's, it's funny it's just little things and it's like oh but that's what they're used to where it's
0: like isn't it insane that you have this animal and it's only allowed to go to the bathroom when you say so and it has to hold it for hours. Like imagine that, that, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I I know it's a weird and unpopular opinion, but I just, I think it's weird that we, uh, like particularly a lot of people who are you know, very kind of like, oh, how can we take advantage of animals for me and and, and byproducts, particularly that a lot of those people are very like, I love pets. Uh, I personally don't really get it i think it's a bit unfair on the animals it seems a bit strange to manufacture life purely for your enjoyment and then to treat the living thing like i I think castration is the perfect example of where like you know it's clear cut that when push comes to shove this being exists for your for your convenience and pleasure and enjoyment and when it's not convenient snip
1: (laughs) the only thing i'd say in counterpoint is i think just to talk about it being for your enjoyment, maybe trivializes the extent of the benefit that mm. humans and animals receive from from pet ownership, right? And let's focus on the humans. I mean, let's, let's leave animals to one side. Like companionship clearly is something that people get a lot of value out of. You only need to look at stuff like Marley and me and similar tributes to pets just to see how much like love and, mm. and, and joy people do get out of a pet animal relationship Mm. and don't get me wrong there's there's, there is a certain perspective in which like that's really valuable and
0: necessary particularly for say old lonely people but that's the animal strays back into being like a, a a utility or work animal as opposed to a physical embodiment of my leisure and enjoyment.
1: But then would you say it's correct to keep guide dogs for the blind, but not to keep general pets? Is it drawing the line purely at the basis of like what you need them for? you're saying,
0: well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, for example, eat meat. So I don't, I, I think humans and animals are not like equal. I think that animals have significant rights, but you know, I do think that necessity for humans, because humans are more important, can override And also in the case of guide dogs, you know, it's actually much easier than, you know, like I said, I eat some meat, not huge amounts, don't worry guys, I'm very rarely, very rarely red meat. You know, I eat some meat, like, it's not really hard in that context to consistently justify like, yeah, I think having a guide dog is fine,
1: right? It's much harder to justify that when you are like a hardcore vegan type. What about sheepdogs? Same, Same deal? You're saying they provide enough utility that humans generate and then- They're not pets. Okay. So it's just—it's actually the fact that you get enjoyment out of pets. You think is the, the point of having one. The point of having one is enjoyment. I'm just curious. If you think that like the companionship pets could give to say elderly people is a subordinate need to oh, that's different that's like that, that essentially is like a therapy dog but the same thing is true with families now i mean the older people enjoy more sort of needs yeah. and rights like
0: yes no no the necessity for an old person who for example might lack other human connections is obviously higher than you know a family who's seen some movies and the kids are like mom dad i want a puppy i want a puppy oh i promise i'll walk it <laughs> again trivializing the the example right like that is not those children saying mom dad i lack connection in the real world and i feel that one of the easiest ways to deal with that feeling is to have a living being who is cute and and relies on me
1: but if a kid were to express it that way would that be fine I mean.
0: well yeah then it would just be a therapy dog we're just describing therapy dogs
1: but uh, okay but you're, you're are you sort of making the case that not everyone has that right to connection or like
0: no i'm saying that some people don't need that from an animal clearly like a pt a person with PTSD, having a trained dog, a blind person with a guide dog, you know, a particularly old person who like actually doesn't have any connections. Like, I don't understand why you're turning that into an argument, like that is, I, I, that feels intuitively clearly distinct.
1: I don't agree at all. I...
0: You think you think that an old person who has no connection where like maybe they're seeing psychiatrists about their loneliness and stuff, and. The psychiatrist is like, okay, I, I prescribe you a dog. But like the, the, the distinction of therapy dog, which is a literal, like, yeah. guided term, is sufficient to, to make the difference between a pet and a working animal, even when the working is companionship, quote-unquote.
1: Yeah, okay.
0: So if it's not a therapy dog, if a psychologist wouldn't describe it as a therapy dog, then it's not necessary
1: enough. I think it's the same benefit being completed
0: You, oh my goodness!
1: And it's just a question of you're saying how much people need it. I, well, I think guys, it's a, it's an arbitrary line.
0: I'm on two percent, so we'll have to cut it so there. It's obviously wrong. wrong. Tell us what you think. <laughs> tell, us,
1: tell Jake that he's wrong. I, I will appreciate it. Actually, I yeah, do seriously leave us reviews, uh, and even if that means telling me I'm wrong, like yeah. leave your review anyway. Yeah. <laughs> comment, <laughs> uh, you know, comment if you think Jake's wrong. Comment on the if you think I'm wrong, which I
0: highly suspect more people are going to say. Yeah. i <laughs> <laughs> <Lots> on <of laughs> having a dog. Like so many people, are like I love my dog. Um, think about it. Think about it. Uh, it was, you know, fun, guys. Video cast. Hello, YouTube. Yeah. Pleasure to be here. Oh, get get your
1: job. I mean, don't worry about me feeling a bit ill. I'll be okay. Get your job. (laughs) We'll be back soon with another episode. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Take care. Goodbye.